Well, Mother's Day is important to moms. Men, kids, if you haven't caught on to that, let me say that again. Mother's Day is important to moms. Almost every mom expects to be honored and treated special on Mother's Day especially. Aren't mothers great? Moms, raise your hand, moms. Thank you for, go ahead, be proud of that. There you go. We are thrilled you are here. We are happy for you, and we honor you today. Especially as we continue our series, Family Matters, the meaning of this series is twofold. We want everyone to understand that each member of a family matters. We'll look at children, parents, husbands, next week, wives, and yes, even the in-laws as we wrap it up. Almost everyone needs to understand and relate to how each member of the family should fulfill their role. And as we go through this, for instance, today we're going to talk about hashtag husbands. Well, not everyone in here is a husband, but those of you guys 22 and under, boys, raise your hand. All right, listen close, because one day God may bless you and you will have a wife and you're going to have to do this kind of thing. I would have been much better off if I'd have learned these things when I was 18 to 24 years old. Instead of later in life, I'm still trying to learn uh, these things. So not every week will apply to you directly, but I ask that you sit back and think, well, maybe one day it will, or I can strengthen someone I know who is in this area of life right now. Let me ask men a question. Men, how many of you love women? All right, that's pretty much among 100% agreement there. I appreciate so much the uniqueness God has placed, especially on my wife, Brenna. I think it's just the genius of God, how God wired a woman, wired a man, made us so different, and yet brought us together and said, okay, enjoy life together. Enjoy life. Women are special. Adam knew a good thing when he saw it for the very first time. I mean, Adam was fast asleep in the garden, and God woke him up, but while he was sleeping, he took a piece from Adam's side, and he fashioned it into someone who could walk with him, live with him, share life with him. Now, imagine it this way, that Adam woke up, and the first time he saw her, He said, whoa, man, whoa, man, whoa, man, whoa, man, woman, woman, you're woman, right? Maybe that's how he came up with a name. I don't know. I often wonder, well, where did woman come from? Adam's saying, whoa, man, he was blown away when he first saw her and appreciated her, as we as men should be. Many of you ladies, though, might be in search of Mr. Wonderful. And I got great news for you. I've got him here today. This is Mr. Wonderful. He says all the right things that you wish your husband would say to you. 
Let me play a few of them and you can gain advice from him. Hopefully this works. The ball game really isn't that important. I'd rather spend time with you. Here, you take the remote. As long as I'm with you, I don't care what we watch. You know, I think it's really important that we talk about our relationship. Let's just cuddle tonight. <laughs> Words of wisdom. He goes on to say one that I really like. He says, you know, can your mother stay another week, please? <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. All kinds of comments, some of them, you know, a little bit unreal and unbelievable. No one is actually Mr. Wonderful. But I want us today to look at five ways, different ways, husbands can improve our relationship with our wife. Areas where they have needs that they would say, I need this from you. And see uh, how they would respond if we followed through. First... Our wives would say, or women would say, for those of you who aren't married yet, you need to learn this. I need you to communicate with me. Communicate with me. So one of the top five that women will always share. Several years ago, 100 divorce lawyers were surveyed and asked the question, what is the major cause of divorce in American marriages? All 100 lawyers agreed the breakdown in marital communication was the leading cause for divorce. Every meaningful relationship requires communication, significant communication. James 1, 19 through 22 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. James points out that communication involves controlling our emotions. It must, he invites us to speak and listen both at the same time. Couples say, well, you know, we spend a lot of time together. We can spend time together and yet not communicate. Guys, if you're watching the ball game and you're sitting in the same room with your wife, that's close proximity that's not communication, doesn't count. Several family experts recommend doing something they call couch time. That means as parents, when you come home from work, you tell the kids, mom and dad's gonna have some couch time. You sit on the couch, you communicate with each other, share with each other how your day went, and your kids are instructed they can't interrupt you during those 10 minutes. And what's interesting is as the kids overhear that, it is speaking to them, it builds their security, and it speaks to them, my mom loves my dad, and my dad loves my mom. And a lot of kids don't see that these days. In fact, they even recommend single parents spending couch time with Jesus at the end of the day, where you instruct your kids and say, listen, Mom or dad are going to have some time with Jesus right now, and you pull out your Bible, and you talk to God. They're not allowed to interrupt you, and nothing builds security in a child more than them seeing or hearing you talk to God. Communication matters. 
Second wives would say, I need my husband to provide for me. Financial security is important to a wife. They want to know that they don't have to worry about where the next payment's coming from for the next bill. This is why early on in marriage, it's important that you live within your means, realizing you don't have to be Donald Trump, you don't have to be Bill Gates. We're talking about necessities, because the lack of money for the necessities of life can put stress on a marriage. And yet I've seen women who mistakenly think that love comes from more things. If they're not communicating with their husband, they're not gaining that love from their husband, they will go out and buy more and more things thinking that love will come from those things. But by the same token, I've seen husbands who have been so driven in the workplace. They'll say, you know what, we're starting this business and be patient with me. For the next two or three years, it's going to be 15-hour days, but there's going to be an end to this. And as we drive at a work pace that maybe we as men can handle, we don't understand the toll it's taking on our kids and on our wives. When we talk about the husband providing for his wife, it's important that we understand we have to do it within the parameters of God's will for us. 1 Timothy 5.8 Paul shares, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially his immediate family, he has denied the truth and is worse than an unbeliever. If your marriage is truly a God-honoring, Bible-based marriage, the men, you need to believe and hear this. Your wife will not be impressed by your title. She won't be impressed by the amount of money you have. What she wants and what she truly needs is you, all of you. That is more important than anything else you could possibly give her. The next on the list is I need my husband to commit time to the family, to our family. Family psychologist John Roseman calls it what we are experiencing these days, the frantic family syndrome. It's a hectic lifestyle where parents are now, instead of building character development in their children, they're more focused on specific skills for their children. We get them in as many activities as possible so they can have every advantage in life, whether it be soccer, gymnastics, voice lessons, dance, t-ball, choir, art appreciation, swimming, on and on it goes. And some kids are doing two or three or four different things, and they're bouncing from here, from here, to here, to here. And the result is parents and children are overscheduled, overwhelmed, and overstressed. Our grandson, Piran, just in the last two days, had two soccer games yesterday and a soccer game this morning at 8 a.m. But he's here. Look at him. He's asleep, but he's here. Raise your hand, Perrin. All right. It's important to focus our priorities on what truly, truly matters. Roseman advises parents to limit their children's activities so that their families eat a minimum of five relaxed evening meals together each week. That means there's nothing else to run to and hurry to after the meal ends. Those days have gone, haven't they? 
but that's what our families need most. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because our what? Our days are numbered. So guys, plan some date nights with your wife. When our kids were younger and even up through high school, they knew that Friday night was Brenna and my date night. Friday night. Might not always do something that costs money, but they knew there was going to be a two or three hour time span where we were going to be together without them. Without them. It's essential. They know and it provides security for your kids when they know you as a couple are priority, first priority. But then also when it comes to the kids, it's essential that you make time, take them on a business trip if possible, take them when you run errands, go on an out-of-town trip, go on family mission trips together, play ball with them, all those kind of things because quality time cements relationships. I love this little reminder to parents. Nannies, babysitters, daycare workers, and relatives will not give the ultimate account to God on how your children were raised. You will. You will. Before I go any further, some of you husbands are about ready to tune me out. All right? So heads up. Heads up, you're saying, hey, Jeff, I thought this was Mother's Day. <laughs> A little reverse psychology, right? Because most guys come on Mother's Day to support their wives. We want you to hear this and learn this. And let me tell you, I'm preaching to myself. I have stepped on my toes all week long. And they're a little bloodied. I had to practice this three times out loud, prepare it. It's gone, 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 gone. So much that Brenna, uh, two or three days ago, was laying on the couch, and she said, and she was tired. She teaches kindergarten. They've been testing all week. She's on the couch. She said, I need you to rub my feet. First I said, oh, you're crazy. But then I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what are you talking about? And so I went over, and, and I rubbed her feet. Not for a long time. I'm not a great masseuse, but I did it. All right, it's been beating me up all week. And while I'm speaking, though, Satan may be whispering to you, this is crazy. (laughs) You can never measure up to this stuff. You can never be Mr. Wonderful. Just, you know, go ahead and buy the doll and save yourself some time, right? Or he might be saying, why would you choose this route when the majority of men in America wouldn't? Let me give you a couple of answers to that one. First, we choose a different route because we're commanded to in God's word. The Bible says the narrow path leads to eternal life. The broad path leads to destruction. Second, we choose it because we'll be happier in the long run. It will provide you an incredible amount of fulfillment and make your relationship with your wife much more peaceful and much more joyful if you apply and meet her needs. Remember the old saying, there's so much truth to it. Remember it? Happy wife, what? Happy life. Yeah, we all know it. Happy wife, happy life. There's a great deal of truth to that. 
Here's an interesting verse in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It says that your wife is delicate. She's not inferior. She's delicate. That's the way she was designed by God. God's word says you treat her with respect, you treat her with consideration, and your prayers will not be hindered. Next wives would say, I need my husband just to love me, to love me. Willard Harley said, when a husband and wife are in love with each other, they are happier, healthier, wiser, and more productive than ever. But when love fades, they lose everything that made them better people. What once seemed almost effortless becomes awkward and difficult. When love seems to have faded, even in those cases, marriage can still be spared. Some would say, you know, I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. How can our love ever be rekindled? I would say if you fell in love, in love once with a person, you can fall in love with them again. That love can be rekindled. It comes back to making some choices. One of the big ones is say, I'm going to love you in spite of your flaws. And I'm willing to change because I know I've got flaws too. We're in this together. A key to that is in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. Paul writes, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, making her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? It was a sacrificial love, even to the point of dying for her. It was a selfless love. So that means every day we should get up and try to die to our wives again and again and again to sacrifice and give of ourselves. It means simple things like doing things your wife may like doing and you might not enjoy. It might mean shopping with her. Yeah. It might mean helping out around the house, going to a restaurant she likes and you don't care for. It might be even as simple as turning on and watching a chick flick with her and acting like you're emotional doing it, you know, and liking it. But doing the things that she likes to do, serving her, sacrificing. Colossians 3.19 simply says, husbands, love your wives and do not what? Don't be harsh with them. One more. And this one's crucial. I saved it for last on purpose. Wives would say, I need my husband to spiritually lead our family. To spiritually lead our family. 
This is one of the greatest outcries of Christian women in America. Part of the reason I think husbands don't excel in this area is maybe it wasn't modeled for them when they grew up. Maybe their dad didn't set that example for them, so they really, it's uncharted waters for them. Or maybe they became a believer later in life and they never really understood what God's words spoke about their spiritual leadership. Yet there are some simple things that you can do, guys, to spiritually lead and point your family towards Jesus. And one of the simplest things is make sure you and your family are in worship every single week. Let me repeat that. Make sure you and your family are in worship every single week. I don't know where it's gone, but when I was a child and I was being raised, we never, ever missed worship. And, I nev- and I, that means I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whether I cried, screamed, jumped up and down, it didn't matter. My dad says, this is where you'll be, this is where we're going. You have no choice. Nowadays, it's best to be every other week or even once a month as we watch the attendance in its fluctuation. It is so simple, but it's so crucial that that happens. And that means many times on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, I'd show up in my ball uniform, whatever that was, all dirty. That's it, doesn't matter. You're going just like you are. Let's go. Has to be a priority. Baptist Press did a study. They released some staggering statistics. If a mom brings the kids to church regularly, when the kids grow up into adults, 34% of them will stay active and engaged in the life of a church. And get this, if a father brings the children to church, the stats go way up. When the children reach adulthood, 91% of them stay involved in the Christian life. It blew me away. Guys, you have an incredible impact and yet an incredible responsibility. Don't take it for granted. Make sure your kids see you pray, before, you pray before meals. Make sure they see you having a quiet time with God. Think of creative times that you can, ways that you can speak Jesus into your family. We have a resource wall that we shared with you last week at the Wadsworth campus. There's all kinds of information and ways that you can speak truth, speak Jesus into your kids. And if you can't go to Wadsworth, right here is the website. You just go to parentq.org. All kinds of information that's available to you to help you uh, to do that. I encourage you to go there. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And as you do this, your wives will be ecstatic that you're taking the lead. In the Old Testament, Joshua made a statement. Joshua simply said this in Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. I'm going to ask all men, no matter what your age, husband or not, stand. All men. Young, old, doesn't matter. Say this with me. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Awesome. You may be seated. If we just get that one commitment, it would be huge. But here's the question today. Do you want a marriage that survives or do you want a marriage that thrives? Do you want a marriage that thrives or do you want a marriage that just survives? If you're struggling in a marriage right now, I want you to hear this. It's not too late. It's never too late for God to restore and rebuild your relationship with your husband or your wife. I'm convinced if he can use a stick to park the Red Sea, if he can use a pebble to kill a giant, if he can speak a word, just a word, and calm the raging seas, I believe he can heal and restore any marriage. But what it takes is it takes a husband and a wife who are willing to swallow their pride and pay the price and make the necessary changes by placing their relationship in the hands of God. To all you husbands today, first I want to say thanks for listening. I know this message is one that causes us all to squirm a little bit. You've heard several needs that your wife may have for you. Now it's up for you to choose on how you're going to live and how you're going to handle those choices. Realistically, Dramatic changes in communication, quality time with your family, growing in love and in spiritual leadership, those kind of things won't happen overnight. They're tough. They're tough. But please understand this. God is more concerned with your direction than he is with your perfection. God is more concerned with your direction than he is with your perfection. You'll never be the perfect husband, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can sharpen you, God can mold you, and God can change you. And you ladies, those of you who may be single and you're looking for that perfect husband, or those of you who are married and wishing you had a perfect husband, doesn't exist it's a mirage he doesn't exist there is only one Mr. Wonderful and he can't be bought on the internet in fact the Bible calls him wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace. Ladies, gain your self-worth. Gain your true love. Fill the hole inside of you. 
with a relationship with Jesus Christ because he is the only one who will ever be perfect. And so when we talk this morning, whether you're male, female, married, not married, young, old, believer or not believer, God calls us all into relationship with him. And I pray that every single day you are making strides to get closer and closer to the one who is perfect being Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you about that this morning. I'll be downstairs. Love to speak to you. But let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, sacrificing yourself on a cross for us. God, coming to earth and living a perfect life to set an example for we as men as to how we should strive to live our lives. And God, we talked about some tough stuff today. Some stuff that I nor anyone else in this room measures up to. But God, may we constantly remember that you are more concerned with our direction than you are with our perfection. And as we continue to place our lives our hearts closer and closer to the one who was perfect, being you. God, the closer we'll become to being like you. Father, pray for your presence with the wives, moms in this room. God, provide your blessing over them this day. Thank you for blessing us with them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.